This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hey, it's Rick from upstairs. Yeah, I take it seriously. When I play R&B at one in the morning, that's me saying, hey, I'm here for you. And I enjoy repetitive bass lines. I only use expired batteries in my smoke detectors. Nice, right? Yeah, upstairs neighbors help people forget their troubles. Give them something else to focus on. Ooh, want to see how high I can jump? Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor. No, wait, let me try again. But we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933, and Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Navo and 670 The Score's hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I Chicago! Welcome into the first postseason, offseason, offseason, first offseason edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Navo from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, in the flesh, Ooh. I'm literally touching him. I'm getting poked. Yes, I'm in the shoulder, in the shoulder. We keep it PG on this podcast, folks. The night is young. This, <laughs> <laughs> this is Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score. Jay. We've had Mexican food put into our bellies. True. We've had some good conversation about the NHL draft tonight. But now we must talk about the elephant in the room, which is that we have not reacted to the Stanley Cup champion, Washington Capitals. Yeah, quite a run for the Caps. And I think everyone is always just sort of waiting to see, like, okay, how are the Capitals going to screw this up? And after game one uh, and a pretty dominant win by Vegas. Everyone was like, well, there it is. Here it comes. It's going to be Vegas in five or six or whatever. But then the Caps were like, oh, hell nah, and just won the series and uh, played in a dominating fashion. And uh, for me, um, a bit surprised that I found myself rooting for the Caps because I was sort of just worn out of the whole, like, oh, the Capitals are on NBC every week, every night, all the time, blah, 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 and their winter classic banners and all the crap that they had to hang because they're not champions. Yep. Well, they're champions now, and uh, as complicated of a human being as he is, there's nothing complicated about the hockey player Alex Ovechkin, one of the best in history, one of the best of all time, and I'm happy when a player like that in any sport who's done everything but win a championship finally wins that one because if you're one of those guys like dan marino or charles barkley that's the kind of crap that follows you around the rest of your life and i'm glad at least a hockey player alex ovechkin does not have to deal with that uh for the remainder of his time on this uh beautiful earth we're on yeah getting the proverbial monkey off your back is obviously a really big deal and especially in a case like alex ovechkin who's going to go into the hall of fame would go in if he retired today probably the best one of the best pure scorers of our collective lifetime 
to see him finally be able to hoist the Stanley Cup and then to go on that epic bender with the cup. Oh, man. Jeez. They put the Blackhawks partying to shame. He's no putting offense, Steger guys. to shame. Man, he was going crazy. <laughs> but, like, it was so cool to be able to finally see that, like, cathartic, like, I finally won this thing. Like, it just – it was kind of a cool moment. And I know, like, the expansion team winning the cup would have been, you know – pretty cool too and we would have been treated to a whole host of hot, hot takes. takes about how it was bad for hockey and da, da, da. in the end it came down to Alex Ovechkin finally winning the thing that nobody thought he would ever win apparently that everybody took glee every time that he fell short and even still Places like the New York Post are writing columns that are like this doesn't erase the capital's history of losing dirty 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 Man, we just can't escape these hot takes, can we? No, we never can. Um, no. And you mentioned one of the best scorers of all time. And and I have to contend, he's definitely the best scorer of this generation. Seven seasons of 50-plus goals. 50 goals now is unheard of. If this guy was to play in the 80s or early 90s, you're looking at like a 70, 75-goal kind of a player. Whew, yeah. That would have, have been kind of nuts. He would have put up probably Gretzky-ish scoring like goal wise yeah. like i don't know i don't think obviously he never would have put up the assist totals but actually if ovechkin played in the 80s he just run over everyone and score all the time that It'd is be true like... because he's like bigger than everybody <laughs> yes. he's just like he's a weirdly freakish athlete it's kind of like the lebron james thing where he if you transported him back in time with his same physicality and traits and all that he would just run roughshod because he's like this six foot three, six foot four wrecking ball. Yeah, he'd be teabagging Wayne Gretzky the way LeBron James would be teabagging Michael Jordan. Oh, see, I wasn't gonna go there. I, I just, wasn't gonna go there. I'm just poking the bear. I truly don't care. Well, and I like that you use the bear <laughs> reference when talking about a Russian. That's that's high quality right there. In Soviet Russia, bear eats you. <laughs> or wait, you eat bear. Damn it, I, I blew it. I think it would be man eat bear. Obviously, we can talk all we want about the legacy of Ovechkin. I feel like that conversation's been had. I feel like there's something kind of big that happened today with the Capitals that definitely warrants some discussion, and that is the abrupt departure of Barry Trotz. How often do you see a Stanley Cup winning head coach just basically jettisoned by the organization, and now he's a free agent in need of a team? Barry Trotz gone after winning the Stanley Cup in Washington. How crazy is that? It's insane, and you have an organization in the Capitals that has been chasing the Stanley Cup literally for their entire existence, and you get a guy who brought you there, who is one of the most respected coaches in the game, even before he went to Washington. Yep. Remember he was coaching in Nashville, and people are saying, what this guy's doing in Nashville with the roster he has is pretty incredible. This was pre-PK Subban and mm -hmm. pre-Philip Forsberg, before the Predators were one of the best and most stacked teams in the Western Conference. Right, when they were doing stuff with like Martin Erat and uh, Steve Sullivan and guys like that. Exactly. When you find a guy like that, you need to lock him up long term. And this is funny, like we're having this at the score when the Cubs don't win, suddenly Joe Madden's an idiot. Right. Right. And it's it's baffling. <laughs> You've chased a championship for your entire existence, almost, with the Cubs, and definitely with the Capitals. And not that the fans want Bedro gone. No. no. I keep saying Bedro. I keep getting <laughs> you my do. I keep getting my portly <laughs> coaches mixed up. <laughs> Barry Trotz. Yeah. The Caps fans don't want Barry Trotz gone. But the Caps are letting him go, and uh, he's a free agent, and I'm very interested to see. Uh, you know, the Islanders have a coaching vacancy, but I wonder how many teams right now are sort of scratching their chins saying, you know what, 
we could look to make a change here. You could. And we could bring Barry Trotz in and, and, make, and make our team better immediately. I'm trying to think of what kind of teams would kind of fit that bill. I immediately thought of the Minnesota Wild. I thought that they might kind of get rid of Bruce Boudreaux just because he hasn't really – yes, Boudreaux. Thank you. He, he, that's where he actually is. <laughs> they don't have to change the clothing either. <laughs> it's like, hey, it's all your size. Just put it Basically, on. Basically, yeah. Like, I think that – Maybe maybe that could be something that would happen. Maybe you send him up to Minnesota and you try to see if he can, you know, kind of get over that hump that they've just been unable to get over the last couple of seasons when they just get into the playoffs and then are basically immediately dismissed. Yeah, I don't think it's quite the same level of failure as the Capitals. Of course Because not. they haven't had the talent that the Caps have had. They've had some talent, but it's always been hurt or – like Zach Parisi's hurt a lot. Suter's been hurt a lot. Yep. And uh, they haven't really been able to add on. And they only have like 18 years left on their deals. Right. <laughs> but I'd still say that they have fallen short of expectations. I thought by now we would have seen them at least in a conference final. Right. And they haven't even really sniffed that at all. So yep. uh, that I'm definitely considering that. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, if I'm in Minnesota, I'm at least on the phone with his agent saying, hey, is this something you would be interested in? Is this a place you'd consider going? To me, is what's a hotter coaching spot, the soon-to-be John Tavares-less Islanders or the Minnesota Wild? You, I think you, Minnesota is You don't is think the that John's going to get a contract extension done with the Islanders? I don't know. I think it would have happened by now. It's getting pretty close. Yeah, I mean, they're still talking, but I think that might be a little bit of lip service to the team that drafted you and kept you for all these years. But It doesn't seem hopeful. Like, no. the conversation around – and. You know, these things happen in his business, and you never know. Things work out in the last minute. But just sort of the conversation around Tavares and the Islanders has not been very encouraging. Didn't I hear somewhere that he was uh, potentially upset that they got rid of uh, Weight and Snow? Yes. Yeah, I think I saw that when they hired Lou Lamarillo and he got rid of those guys. I was like, well, that's not good if you're, you know, pissing off your franchise player. No, that's usually not a good strategy. No. No, yeah. It's I mean, especially a guy like that who – um, you know, even though he's not probably a household name to non-hockey fans, that's a guy you can mention in the, you know, top 10, mm -hmm. top 15 players in the game for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and I wonder, you know, he's probably knows that too. John Tavares probably realizes like, look, here I am in New York Islander sort of wasting away my career here. No one knows who I am. Uh, I think of like Joey Votto or like uh, Evan Longoria was kind of like that yeah. for a while, right? Like you've got these great players that even Mike Trout's sort of on that level, like no one sees them playing because they play at three in the morning because they're in California, right? So it's uh, these guys sort of toil in obscurity. East Coast bias. Well, it's well, it's convenient too. Like you know, the Dodgers and Angels play at nine p.m. every night, it's, which is great for me because I am a, kind of a night owl. So that's always nice to watch them play. Not good for me. <laughs> no, not good for me at yeah, all. Yeah, Mister Nine A.M. Uh, radio Show. Yeah. Well, there's a lot going on this off season. The Capitals are one of the interesting stories. Boost Boudreaux, one of the interesting stories around the Capitals. Uh, but let's going to take our first time out. When we come back, we'll start to address some of the things going on in the Blackhawks universe. Yeah, maybe we should talk about the team that this uh, podcast is ostensibly about. Hmm. I'll get back to you on that. We'll think about it. All right, but first, want to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. Your place to go if your team needs outfitting. Of course, you know that's where you go if you want an MLB, NHL, NFL jersey. But if you've got a team, you need jerseys made, Triple Threat Sports will hook you up and you will look tremendous in those uniforms. So give them a call, 708-478-6090 or send an email to chris at triplethreatsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. We'll be right back with more Red Hot Hockey Talk on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. 
Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We do promise we talk about the Blackhawks on this podcast, and we are about to do that right damn now because Stan Bowman is making moves, my friend. He has been handing out contract extensions and ELCs, and he's been doing it just (laughs) quite often. (laughs) (laughs) You're really selling that like a red-hot story, and you're like, Quite often. Well, you really you, you, you downgraded it at the end. <laughs> to there. those that follow our Facebook page, they had to have seen the sarcastic breaking news uh, status that I posted the other day when the Blackhawks re-signed John Hayden to a two-year contract. So the Blackhawks signed John Hayden to a two-year deal. They also sign Vinny Henestrosa to a two-year deal. Who, by the way, Vinny Henestrosa will be playing in the Chicago Pro Hockey League this summer. I saw your story on that, too. Along with Kendall Coyne and Nick Schmaltz and Alex DeBrinkett and a couple other Blackhawks, and Brandon Bolig will be there. Um, And so those two re-signed. We'll be taking four minutes from a more valuable player in crunch time. Ah, Uh, I'm sorry. Got him. (laughs) Well, he'd be good at that. And also you uh, had Henry Yokoharju. Harju, are you? It's been a very long time since I've said his name. He signed a three-year ELC with the Blackhawks and is hoping to make the team out of camp this summer. And Thomas Yurko never officially signed, right? It was just yeah, I've not rep- seen anything. Official. I believe it was a report by Scott Powers of the Athletic that he was nearing an extension with the Blackhawks. So yeah, yeah, yeah. clearly they're just bringing the band back together. I mean, we already saw that over the uh, spring when they were re-signing, you know, their Eric Gustafsons and those guys to contract extensions. Clearly, this team's just fine, Jay, and they're just going to bring everybody back. Well, there's moves that are going to be made. I think we know that. I think we know that things are coming. There's been a lot of rumors going on um, Jonathan Taves traded to Montreal nothing like that e5 um yeah anyway <laughs> I'm just holding my tongue um let's get, talk with about the signings first I'm very happy to see Henestrosa back I really liked what I saw from him late last year I think he started finding his way he was I mean I believe third on the team in uh relative course he uh had a very good second half of his season pretty much doubled up his points in uh the same amount of games so I like to see uh him get some more time on the top six um you know Yurko is apparently the offensive version of David Runblad where Stan Bowman just won't admit that he's not the guy he thought he was I'm not going to call it a mistake because you didn't give up a lot to get him but you keep doubling down and doubling down and giving him new contracts (laughs) as long as he's not shoehorned into the lineup I don't have a huge problem with it because it's just money uh he could be sent down those things can be managed but um Henestros is the one that really has me excited. And, and Yokoharu, now that it's close and now that the deal is signed and we're hearing what some of the people are saying around this, it sounds like he's going to be given a legit shot to make this team. Mm-hmm. And you got to temper expectations for a young defenseman coming up. We said the same thing about Alex Tabrinkit last year, saying, look, you got to understand this is a young first-year player. That was a forward. It's much easier for forwards to come into the league and adapt and just sort of figure out the defensive part of the game later. Well, not so easy for a defenseman. You, ne- I mean, look at Gustav Forsling, who when he started to get his first couple games as a Hawk, people thought, well, you know, he'll be kind of a plug-in guy and just he'll learn on the job. Well, that really hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, hope I know Yokoharu is a much higher prospect than Forsling, but for a 19-year-old to come in here and uh, be expected to make the team from opening day, I think that's a big ask. If he does it, that'd be great. If he shows that much in camp and in the summer and all those things, great. 
I just I don't want him rushed, and I don't right. want them to uh, throw him in there because of necessity. I think there's other ways to address the defense this year, and I, I don't know if rushing Yokoharu is a way to do it. Well, he also will be playing in the Chicago Pro Hockey League, so you'll be able to get your first look at him there when that starts in July. I'm not sure what that means for him in terms of participating in the Blackhawks prospect camp this summer, which I believe week after 4th of July, right? Yeah, usually. So it's basically going to be that exact same time frame. So I'm not sure if him participating in the CPHL means that he won't be playing at prospect camp. They have not announced a full roster yet for that. They probably won't do that until after the NHL draft. But I agree with you. I can't wait to get him on the ice and to see what he's got with some of those big guys. I know he was kind of derailed by injury last season, but from what I saw at prospect camp with those couple of times that I went out there and covered him, I really liked what he brings to the ice I'm just not sure like you said if he's ready to just be kind of thrown into the NHL a la Alex Dabrinkit and just he does whatever they need him to do right away I feel like they're going to try to maybe slow pedal him just a little bit more kind of get him more accustomed to the North American game slowly introduce him to it instead of just kind of rushing him in and I think that would be the right thing to do I just hope they don't rush him out of this like you said idea that their contention window is closing and they need that injection of defensive skill and potential offensive upside immediately yeah, next season. It's tough to throw that, uh, oh, my God, window closing, please save us 19-year-old thing on him. Um, and I think I was impressed by how they handled the Brinkett last year. I think they brought him along well without putting too much pressure on him to be the guy. Obviously, there's help up front with Kane and Taze and Todd and all those guys. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think they've really – I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt because I don't think there's really been a point where I've said, oh, God, they rushed this guy along. If anything, it's been the opposite. It's anything it has been like, oh, my God, get this guy up here. Get him on the ice. He's proven he can play. Uh, you know, Alex Dabrinkit, who spent a lot of the first half of the year on the bottom six, just it seemed like for just because, because he's young. Like, there was no real, like, Nothing you saw on the ice that told you he was incapable of playing on the top six. You don't think that it was to kind of like hone other areas of his game that Joel Quenville wanted to, him to be a more versatile weapon, maybe? It's, it certainly could have been. And those things are hard to see game to game, right? But these are the things that are happening in practice and in meetings. And if that's the case, I think Quenville did a great job. Because by the end of the year, to bring it was an effective two-way player. Yep. He's not Patrice Bergeron nope. or Jonathan Taves, right. but he's a dependable two-way player at such a young age i'm super excited to see what is the next step for him yeah because you saw the, the jump nick schmaltz made from first year to this i think he's going to take another step too but to bring it now with a full year under his belt have a full summer to train here knowing he's on the team yep uh, i think i'm super excited you're you could be looking at a close to point a point a game player next year yeah and alex to bring it and that brings us sort of to um, some of the roster discussions going around now. Now we've seen some rumors. We've seen the uh, rumors about Scott Darling coming back, um, be it for Marion Hose's contract. Now, just to clarify, that was Elliot Friedman and his 31 Thoughts co column. That was a suggestion. That was not a rumor. It was saying, hey, here's a deal that it makes sense to only me. What about this? It was more of a proposal than something he's been hearing. However... I have been told there is truth to the Hawks looking at bringing Scott Darling back. Okay. Um, now, I'm going to tread lightly here, okay? We've heard a lot of rumors this summer about a goaltender. Uh-huh. Uh, if you choose to believe those rumors, uh, which I'm sort of on the fence about, but there's a lot of them, 
Well, what? why wouldn't there be rumors considering how radio silent the Blackhawks have been about a certain goaltender who yes. missed the last chunk of last season and we still have no idea when he's going to be back on the ice. Right. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. I, I think let's, – let's put it this way. Bringing Scott Darling back would bring back someone who could help him in that situation, uh-huh. if that makes sense. Not only does it help the team on the ice, it helps Corey Crawford off the ice. And I'm not saying that I know these things are true – there's a ton of smoke around him, a mm. ton of smoke. I've heard it 30 different places this summer, right? And while the stories never totally jive, it's like, why do I keep hearing the same thing over and over and over again? And the people that tell me things about the Blackhawks don't tell me anything about Corey Crawford, right? Yeah, we don't know. I don't know. It's been quiet. Mm. Has uh-huh. it? You know what I mean? Yeah. You hate to question your sources, but they have a they have to protect themselves too. They got to keep things quiet. They got to keep things in house. And I, I hate, you know me, I don't like playing the rumor game. But if there's another angle you're looking for to the uh, purpose of bringing Scott Darling back, I think there's more than the on the ice part of it. That's that's sort of sort of what I'm hinting at. Well, I think the two things you have to keep in mind with that potential deal would be a Scott Darling's cap hit, mm-hmm. which would necessitate you to move more money out to be able to afford to do anything else. I, th- I think just to, not to interrupt you, but I think Carolina would be part of the deal would be Carolina would absorb part of that salary. Okay. So, well, I mean, judging by the play that he displayed last season where he was one of the worst regular starting goaltenders in the NHL statistically, yeah, they would have to eat some of that money. There's no way the Blackhawks are just going to take that money straight up just to get him in here to potentially be a spot starter or a regular starter if Corey Crawford still isn't ready when the season gets underway. I think that you cannot overlook that part of it at all. The fact that Scott Darling struggled last season and you're maybe not getting back the same guy that you sent out of town last season. Like, I think that people are just like, oh, Scott Darling will be back, and he was really good for us. Yeah, he wasn't so good in Carolina, though. He wasn't so good when he was the guy. And I know that that could potentially be the fact that Carolina's defense wasn't very good. They weren't a very good club overall. But at the same time, it's not like you're getting back the second coming of, you know, Ray Emery or any of the anti-Ranta or any of these guys that – were dynamite for the Blackhawks, and then Antiranta has gone on to have a pretty successful career after leaving Chicago. So you have to be kind of careful what you wish for there, and that's where I think that off-ice thing maybe becomes a little bit more interesting because maybe you know Scott Darling's not going to be a 2.2 goals against guy, but if he can help Corey Crawford in whatever ways that he can and be a solid backup option if Corey does come back, then, then it's more interesting to me. I, I really cannot wait until Friday when Stan Bowman has to talk to the media and people are going to say to him, dude, what is the deal with Crawford? Because last we heard was Joel Quenville at the exit meetings, right, the day after the season ended saying, oh, yeah, he's close. Yeah. Well, how <laughs> close is he if you're talking about bringing Scott Darling back? Well, I think it's a fair question. However... We knew they were going to address the goaltending this summer anyway. But for a $4 million backup. I, if they get Scott Darling back, it will not be for $4 million. That's what I'm saying. There's no like, way. Like, you have to eat money then because there's just absolutely no way you can afford to pay a backup that much. And I still then question how just how close is Crawford to coming back if you're willing to make that move instead of going out in free agency and getting somebody or potentially trading for somebody else. I wonder – in in the free agent market, 
The name that I've come back to a lot is Carter Hutton. Yep, I've mentioned him uh, a few times when we've discussed this, too. Yeah, terrific numbers, uh, due for a payday, but I don't think, I don't know, sort of as time has gone on, I, I don't know if he's done enough to really cash out. Mm-hmm. If you can get him for three, or three and a half. Doable, yeah. Even with an eye towards, okay, Crawford's back this year, all right? He's still aging. He still had his share of injuries. You're still going to want to probably only play him 50, 55 games instead of 60, 65. And if you can lock up Carter Hutton for, what, three years at yep. $3 million, you have that insurance policy. And then if you if you find out, like, wow, this dude is the franchise goalie we thought he could be, then you lock him up to a Corey Crawford S deal when Crawford is done. Yep. It's kind of a no-brainer. So I get the darling thing. I get the interest. It's got to make sense financially. You're right. You cannot ignore the fact that and, – and you could say, like, well, he went to a worse team, and that's what happened. Guess what? The Blackhawks weren't a whole lot better. Exactly. They weren't better at all. Yeah. So uh, to think he's going to come here and magically be better, that's a bit of a, a pipe dream for me. I would like I, – I think that he's better than he played last year, obviously. Better in a backup role. I don't think he's an everyday starter. And I don't want to do the uh, ha-ha, told you so Crawford thing, but all those people – that wanted to jettison Corey Crawford and give the job to Scott Darling. Uh, I, I, just the the more evidence is piling up that Corey Crawford, when right, is an elite NHL goalie. Yeah, and maybe it took him disappearing for, you know, eight months, and maybe it took Scott Darling sucking somewhere else for you to realize that look, oh, what crap. you have here yeah. is great. Appreciate it while it's here because when it's not, it looks really, really, really bad. Yeah, and I, I totally feel you on that. And I think before we start moving on to, you know, emailed questions and all that, we do need to also discuss the potential of moving Marion Hosa's contract now that he's officially done, like he said he's not playing anymore. The I am interested to see who the Blackhawks could get to take that deal on and what they would have to do to get a team to do it because – from my understanding, it gives them the flexibility of an additional $5.3 million during the summer that they don't have to wait to put him on long-term injured reserve until the season begins. It allows them to potentially go out and get maybe a winger like James Van Riemsdyk or at least kick the tires on John Carlson and see if you can get him to play on your blue line. Like, It at least gives them some flexibility if they're able to do that. My question is... Who exactly is taking that deal on? Are you sending him to a place like Arizona that still has to get to the cap floor? What are you doing in that situation? That seems to be the uh, expectation. And uh, I don't know if you saw my report this weekend. I know everybody was super busy, but I was told this weekend that moving Marion Hosa is one of the top priorities of this summer. So it's going to happen. They're going to find a taker. I think that's where a lot of people were connecting the dots to Carolina because of the Scott Darling thing. And you could maybe say, look, like we're going to take – We'll take two and a half of Scott Darling's contract, but you got to take Hosa back. Right. Right. And so we'll bite this bullet for you and give ourselves some cap relief with a backup goalie. End of the day, the Hawks end up saving a ton of money because if you're going to sign a backup for two million, maybe you get Darling for two point five or three. But Hosa's gone. So it's to so the Hawks. It's worth it to do that. Would, would you have to add something else in to get Carolina to do that? Uh, maybe I don't. Th- I don't. Th- I mean, if you're going to add the 27th overall pick. Yeah, there you go. That you, might... need, you need more than that then. Yeah. I, mean, I, think, I think you would need another prospect, like not a 
high-level prospect, but somebody who's got at least some potential upside. Keep in mind, it's not hurting Carolina to take Hosa. No, I mean, it's obviously helping, it's them, to, it's helping them to get to the cap floor, and he's only making a million bucks. Right, so it's it's really nothing for Carolina. So while we say, like, well, they're doing their, the Hawks this huge favor, that's sort of true, but at mm. the same time, it's not like they're taking Brent Seabrook. And they would also, <laughs> and they would also have to uh, – make an agreement that he's not just going to retire and stick the Blackhawks with that cap recapture penalty But I either. think once he's traded, that's done. No, it's not. I think it is. I don't I think, think, his, I don't think that's his the case. Because his deal is different from some of the ones signed earlier. Well, you got to remember that if they trade him, they're no longer like basically paying the benefit back to lower that penalizing cap hit if he just signs retirement paperwork and says, screw you guys. But, well, I don't know. But if, if he's traded straight up, he and he hasn't officially retired. He's the property of the Carolina Hurricanes, right? But they're not gleaning the benefit of the contract like the Blackhawks did. I, I don't. I, I think if they trade him, it's over. I don't think so. Okay. I, I think that maybe I'm mixing things I think up. That, I think there is a benefit to the Blackhawks to keeping him under control because then they basically won't allow him to sign the retirement paperwork. But if you trade him, there's always that little possibility that he could, although I kind of doubt it because it would just completely well, and he's screw the, it would screw the Blackhawks over and he wouldn't want to do that. Well, and he said this summer, like, I'm retired, but I can't. Right. <laughs> you know, like he basically said it. So, yeah, that's he, he's aware of it. That's my understanding situation. is that. I mean, he could if he wanted to be a dick, but that's not. I think I'm thinking of Brent Seabrook. There's if a, they were to trade Brent Seabrook, they'd be out. That's what I'm thinking of. Well, yeah, you'd be out from under that contract because it was approved by the league and didn't de-escalate so quickly that there was a unfair cap advantage to it. By the way, I did air quotes around yes, that did. in case anybody was Confirmed. curious. Um, E5. Well, that's <laughs> that's what that's what you get NHL for making your stupid after the fact rules after you approve the damn contract. But anyway, we're not going to get on that tangent again. The point here is that I don't think Marion Hosa would screw the Blackhawks over. I'm just saying that that was the reason why you maybe keep him around just so you have that control, but I don't see it being a big issue now. I think that it'd be fine. Now, the name Justin Falk has come up a lot in Blackhawks land, and this is a guy that um, makes some sense. Carolina defenseman, if you're giving them Hosa and you're giving them the number 27 pick and you're taking Darling, is that enough to get Falk back as well? Probably not. Probably not. Now, they've got a lot of prospects, but I think the ones that really, like, hammer home a deal are guys you want, right? Like, yeah. I guess the one th- one guy I would think about is maybe trading Henestrosa for Falk. I could see that. And I don't know if the league sees him the way that I'm seeing him or you're seeing him as, like, this emerging, uh, you know, fast – developing to to a player um i don't know if the track record's there for him to the other teams in the league i don't know if his value is as high as we are i guess you call it in town stupid right it's sort of the <laughs> yep. term um but i'd be willing if it's going to get you falk and darling to trade falk and darling hosa the 27 overall pick and one of your higher prospects uh, that's not Yokoharu were to bring Ketter Schmaltz. Right, you're not get, you're not trading any of those guys to get Justin Falk. That's just not no. Right, I don't know. I'm I'm curious as to what our listeners would do. So hit us up, MadhousePod at gmail dot com. Of course, we'll get to your emails here in a little bit. But yeah, man, I'm I'm really interested in the, in this summer. And and one of the other rumors we saw was that the Hawks might be looking to move Brandon Sod. Now, to me, that's absurd. No, you don't do that. You because if the theory is like okay. Trade Sod for Falk because you need help at D. 
okay, fine. You trade you trade Brandon Todd for Justin Falk. Okay? You fix your defense. Well, guess what? Now you now you're really thin at forward all of a sudden. Yep. Right? Cuz Saad was he is maintaining that forward depth that you had when he traded Artemi freaking Panarin for him, right? <laughs> yeah. So you need you need if you it, it counteracts itself. Yep. Sure, you fix the D, but then you're hurting your offense. It doesn't make sense. You want to keep Sot, especially now that his value will probably never be lower. That's exactly what I was gonna say. You don't trade a guy when his value is at his absolute lowest. Yeah, and I think that I've written about this a couple of times. I know you have too. When you really look uh, deep down at his numbers, at his metrics, he had a pretty good year. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't as bad as everybody cracked it up to be because everybody was comparing it to what Artemi Panarin did in Columbus. Right, and he had a like really really unlucky season. Yeah, as far as shooting percentage, as far as you know, just base goals scored, all those things. When you look at the numbers, he was creating chances. He had the puck a lot, all those things. But the puck just wasn't going in that for him. So I'm really hesitant to trade Brandon Saad. I, I mean, yeah, I, to me, it's a non-starter. I'm no, not even yeah, discussing and, it. And I think that it all boils down to you don't trade a guy when you probably can do a lot better if he has a bounce-back season next year and he's still under team control for a few more years and you can potentially develop another forward or two through your system or maybe acquire one in the NHL draft that you feel comfortable you can get him up to the NHL level in a year or two like I think that it makes a lot more sense to be patient on Brandon Saad and to play the waiting game whereas a guy like Artem Anisimov maybe it makes sense to move him now instead of waiting on him yeah, I you know I, they do want to address center. They want to add a centerman, and if you trade Anisimov, which everyone's sort of assuming they're going to, if you do that, you're pretty much telling Nick Schmaltz that he's your your second line center. Mm-hmm. And while I love Nick Schmaltz's game and I like the way he plays, the fact remains that he is abysmal at faceoffs, and you don't really have anyone aside from Jonathan Taves that's really great at them anyway. Is uh, John Madden still available? Is he still uh, kicking around? Uh, the announcer or the hockey player? Uh, either. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Tough acting to acting. Oh, Put on your skates. Oh, my God. Uh, John Madden's still alive, right? His, yes, he is. I Google that every now and again. <laughs> it's funny. Like, he's just disappeared. Yeah. I, that He is retired. He's like, screw it. Don't call me. I'm hanging on my phone. I'm disconnecting my rotary phone. I don't want to hear it ring. Just leave me alone. I'm retired. <laughs> That's the sort of guy like uh, Mike Francesa who's like, I'm retiring. And then six months later gets bored and he's like, I'm back. Yeah. You know, John no, Madden's like, screw it. Well, he hates flying. That's probably part of it. Probably. So he's just like, no, I'm done. I'm, I don't want any more. Anyway, why are we talking about John Madden? Well, because we're getting into like Jay Leno territory now where he retired and then decided to come back. Yeah. Like, why haven't you done that yet, Didn't John Madden? John Madden's son? Is he in the draft or something? Uh, God. That, that would make me feel old. There's well, something about... Well, it's it's already a bad draft year because kids who were born in the year 2000 are getting drafted this year. Oh, God. Yeah, that. <laughs> I was in college. Yep. That's horrifying. I was a junior in high school. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's sad. That's just brutal. Our lives are sad and meaningless. Well, speaking of sad and meaningless, you want to answer some emails here? Oh, see, that's just mean. Our listeners are great, and they send us wonderful things. Well, some of them do. Okay, thank you for rescuing <laughs> that awkward silence. Uh, all right, after this break, we're going to get to your emails, but we have to tell you about our friends at Mariska's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street, owned 
family owned and operated since 1933. Uh, one of the best sponsors we have, one of our favorites, uh, Joe and the family there run a tight ship. The place is awesome. We've talked every week about the glory that is a Marishka's poor boy. Everything there is good. The burgers, mm. the chops, the seafood, the sides, everything is amazing. They've got a great craft beer menu as well. So check them out, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So give them a visit. Go to facebook.com slash marishkas or marishkas.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S dot com. We'll be right back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. They've got the best in barbecue and Cajun and Mexican. Pretty much any good food cuisine you are seeking, they have it at Chuck's. Chuck Pine is the chef there trained under renowned Chicago chef Rick Bayless. You've seen him on Mexico one plate at a time. You've been at Frontera. You've been at Choco. All of Rick Bayless's restaurants. Chuck is right there in the same echelon as Rick Bayless. So Dang, make sure you man. go to I'm Don't, don't you, make that go to his head. He's awesome. Chuck is the best. And literally, if you are a food-loving Southside guy like me, you're going to love Chuck's. I mentioned the kind of foods, that, the barbecue nachos. Just a plate full of nachos, barbecue sauce, chicken, whatever. Oh, my God, incredible. I think their jambalaya is the best I've ever had, and I've been to New Orleans. You can get it with or without the crawfish. The uh, Cochinita Pabil is my is my electric chair meal. <laughs> that's going to be yep. the – if I get to pick the last meal I have, that's what it will be. Always go with the extra tortillas and the extra uh, orange habanero sauce. Just a little tip for me to you. But go to Chuck's. If you're not into food, you're just thirsty, you just want a beverage – the 120 Beer Club is for you. Try all 120 of their beers, and you'll get your uh, your your ticket stamped. You'll get your name on the wall. You'll get a T-shirt, all kind of crap. It's great. Chuck's is great. Go to Chuck's. We love it. Chuck'sCafe.com, Burbank, Darien. Do it up. All right, email time. By the way, I'm going to be at Chuck's, I think, in uh, <gasps> Burbank next Monday for uh, Simpsons Trivia Night. It's going to be good times. Right now I am reenacting the John Travolta gif. <laughs> where I'm just looking around like, where's your invite? I also like Chuck's, and I also know The Simpsons. Hey, Jay, I need people on my team. Who I can't come. make it. Sorry. Jay! No! <laughs> I have plans. I need you. <laughs> I might. I'm, I'm, I'm sincerely, I sincerely might come. I need you. <laughs> I need Chuck's. All right. There you go. First one is from, I believe this is a first-time emailer, and it's the greatest Chicago name of all time. This email from Jeff Francisci. No friggin' way. <laughs> I'm looking at the... Oh, my God. Yeah. That is exactly what it says. Jeff Francisky. Jeff Francisky. Uh, I'm going to read this email like a Chicago guy would read it. That I can see a scenario good. where the third jersey is a trial balloon to get rid of the engine head and oh. go more up the PC Chief Wahoo route. Oh. I hope I'm wrong, but the Hawks really need to spread the word what Blackhawks really means, and it's not truly offensive. Offensive. Or offensive. You have to say offensive. 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 From a season ticket holder to the baby, baby Hawks the indie fuel it's 36 date nights for the wife and me <laughs> yes i'm gonna bet jeff's wife's name is bonnie i'm just gonna guess 
And it sounds like he doesn't even live in Chicago. It sounds like he lives in like Indianapolis. It doesn't matter. He, it's the greatest Chicago name of all Thank time. Thank you, Jeff, for this excellent If only your email. first name was Bob. <laughs> all right. Uh, jokes aside, uh, this is a topic that will gain steam and momentum. It's coming. We all know it's going to happen. We all know the Blackhawks are going to be on the line of, uh, you have a Native American logo. You should probably change it. And while I love the logo, um, we've been through this a lot, so I'm not breaking any ground here. It is not my place to decide what is offensive or not. I am not oppressed. I am a white man. I have had nothing to worry about as far as that goes my whole life. I am life. a white man. I have had sex with a woman. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I don't, uh, look, do I want the logo to remain? Of course. Do I understand why some people won't? Of course. Do I understand what it truly means? I do. Dot, dot, dot. But it's not my place to make that call. So if that call is made and someone decides that it needs to be changed, I'm not going to be happy about it, but I'm also not going to be mad about it. I think moving towards correctness and as much as it triggers people these days, um, to me, that is uh, the right thing to do. And I'm not saying they need to do it now. I think they do a good job of not celebrating the fact that they have a Native American logo. They don't do like a war chant or they right. don't beat a drum. They do beat a Wait, drum. But Tommy it's just, Hawk does. But I don't think it's it's not a Native American no, rhythm. No, it's, it's like not. a pump-up sort of right. a thing. So, he, you know, there's not – Tommy Hawk doesn't wear a headdress. Yes, he does. He has feathers. He has feathers. He's a bird. I know. I'm just saying. They're not Native American feathers. Fair. Mm. That's okay. not a headdress. It's not like a big chief. It is the feathers from the logo, dude. I know, but all right. I'll give you that. I guess you're right. But it's not – I think the Hawks do a good no, job of No, it's not like not... those imbeciles who show up in war paint with the giant headdresses. Right, and it's not like the Atlanta Braves or the Florida State Seminoles. And I right, know right, the right. Seminoles have done some things to make people happy about it, but whatever. Well, and the Seminole tribe has given them their blessing, but that's like just – again, right. we're getting into territory we have definitely already gotten into. Can we focus on the third jersey aspect of this? Yes. I have heard through the grapevine that the Blackhawks probably are not going to have a third jersey. Hmm. They're not mentioned in some of the uh, leaked materials that have come out about the third jerseys that are going to debut next season. They were not mentioned. So there's a chance they may just stick with two. I don't I don't. That also doesn't upset me. No, it doesn't upset me at all. You've I don't think the they need best. it. They don't need a third jersey. <laughs> like, why put a jersey and, and, on it doesn't look and, as unless good? Unless you're going to do something new. What the hell's the point? Like, oh, you're just going to bring back the black? <laughs> Pass. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, we're in my basement. We're uh, looking at, I have uh, I have a little shelf here of sports memorabilia. And I have uh, a lot of Hawks stuff, a lot of Cubs stuff. And I'm looking at my bleeding Bob Probert picture here which is behind my seventh grade football picture. Nah, bloody Bob. But my if I could change one thing with the jerseys, and I mentioned this before, I want the white jerseys back at home. Oh, hell yeah, dude. I love the white jerseys. I'm all about that life. That's it. And that that's it. that is my first Hawks autograph. Um, it says, 2J, Brett Worsh's Bob Probert. <laughs> Actually, it's Bull Probert. B-O-L Probert. Oh, man. My friend has an uh, autograph from uh, Eddie Belfour, and it clearly says Beef Wishes. <laughs> so we all, <laughs> every oh, time man. we talk about like, Beef Wishes, um, yeah, it's funny to no one but me. We're treading, we're treading into some weird waters there. <laughs> I think you're right. All right. Uh, email here from Devon Vance. He says, hey, guys, I just listened to your most recent podcast, and you were talking about the Blackhawks jersey colors. So, like, three weeks ago? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've been tweeting at Adidas a lot, throwing out hints. 
tell your listeners to do the same so Adidas realizes the people want change. Okay. Go for it. If you want the uh, Pollyanna colors to go away, tweet at Adidas. Put pressure on them. Should we start a uh, change.org petition to change the Pollyanna collar? Do we, I mean, do we want to be those guys? I mean, I'm comfortable being those guys. Um, you can be that guy, and I'll just be there like, Cool, dude. Thumbs up from a distance. Are you? You're not even going to sign the petition. I'll sign it. I'm okay. not going to. I'm not going to ramrod it. I'm not going to spear spearhead it. Is more the word than ramrod. Yeah, I think ramrod. You kind of just went stupid. Those are two different things. Yes, entirely. I do that sometimes. By the way, we got a tweet, Jay. <gasps> I sent out a tweet today, and somebody came through and asked us a question, and I kind of like it because it's timely. Tim Action Jackson. That is not his name. I made that up. Tim Jackson asks, I'll stoop to the obvious. Is there any possibility of Barry Trotz replacing Joel Quenville either right away or down the road? I'm assuming that he's inferring that Joel Quenville would get some kind of promotion to some kind of like VP position or something. I don't think he's inferring that Joel would be fired and cast aside in favor of Barry Trotz. Jay, I've teed it up. <laughs> Sway. They should do the what they did to uh, Dennis Savard. And bring in <laughs> Barry Trotz's, like, advisor. Uh, and then as soon as they got to a bad start, like, see ya. Here's the... No, I, I, I'm i not firing Joel Quinville. Okay. I think that he... This is his... Him and Stan. We said this as soon as the season ended. Yep. These two are now tied together. Yep. Their fates are now interlinked more than they ever have been. Yeah. So they're either both fired or both still together. Agreed. So for better or worse... I don't think they're moving on from a Joel Quenville Yeah, issue. I think that John McDonough probably even gave Stan Bowman a choice. He was like, you can fire Joel now, and we'll give you the opportunity to hire a new coach, or you keep him, but then it's your ass if we fail. Uh, we have a very nice, long uh, email from Jason Mills that I want to acknowledge but not read because it's super long. <laughs> uh, but, Jason, thank you. We appreciate all the kind words. Isn't he Salsa Shark? No, that's uh, Jason Holter, I thought. Oh, yeah, wrong Jason, sorry. If I'm wrong, just pretend I didn't say that. Well, we love we love both of them, but for different reasons, apparently. Ryan Tennant, longtime emailer, uh, says, hello, fitness friends. Oh, it's an old reference to Boards and Bernstein. Holy shit. May they rest in peace. Uh, well, Dan's still alive. Well, they're both still they're alive. Both, don't say you idiot. Terry is not dead. By the <laughs> way, tomorrow night, dinner at Dan Bernstein's house. Me. <laughs> nice. Good uh, luck. Good luck, dude. What am I going to have? It's like all caviar and... About to say, it's probably going to be something from Blue Apron or whatever other companies he shells <laughs> it's for. It's going to be all, like, free free stuff. That's what I'm saying. Like, I made this Blue, Blue Apron meal with my Cameron Hughes wine. <laughs> I'm definitely making, like, a McDonald's stop before I get there. Please just in do. Case. Yeah. I'll have a emergency nugs in the car in case something should happen. <laughs> emergency <laughs> nugs. This isn't the I'm Fat podcast, bro. You don't get to talk about emergency nugs. I'll talk about whatever the hell I want to. It's June 18th, all right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ryan's Happy birthday, Paul McCartney. Oh, is it Paul McCartney's birthday? It is indeed, actually. He is still alive, too, just like Terry and Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, this thing went off the rails quick. Let's read Ryan's email. Yeah, he says, with the confirmation that number 81 in your program, but number one in your heart, Marion Hosa will never play hockey again. Uh, they still should have signed Martin Havlat. I wonder what you thought the Hawks would do with his contract. Shut up. Uh, we just talked about this. Ryan, listen to the podcast before you email, you jerk. Yeah, moron. Uh, yeah, we think they're definitely going to uh, trade him somewhere. and get. I do. Somewhere over the rainbow. Yeah. We talked about it a lot, so we don't need to answer that. Well, we, and we were just letting him know that we appreciated him. Tom, 
Mailman Tom from Vegas. Yes, my guy. guy. Uh, I assume he's like, it's got to be a million degrees in Vegas right now. It well, it's a terrible. million degrees here, so who's really losing? It's a dry heat. It's a Not draw. Uh, he says, almost a year ago, the Hawks and Knights made the Kruger trade with Chicago obtaining, quote, future considerations. Maybe I missed it, but I never heard anything more about it. How long do they have to complete the trade, and what do you think they get in return? The answer to that question is, I have no idea either way. I am flummoxed. This is a fantastic freaking question. It's such a subtle... I don't think they ever consummated it. <laughs> I, I, I just think... Uh, I love that word. Boy, I... I, I don't... Yeah. I think these things are made just to... This, like, from my history in sports of future considerations, very rarely do you actually get the report of, hey, remember this? Well, here it is. I've seen it in baseball a Baseball, few times. I feel like it happens more often. Now, but it's... Now and again, right? It's not always like it's a player to be named later more than future considerations. Right. Right. Um, Usually it's just like a cash payment. But you never know. It could be like, hey, we're going to make a trade with you and we want a fifth round pick instead of a six. And you're like, okay. And you're like, cool. That, that you know, absolves you from future considerations, right? <laughs> I absolve you from I don't blah, know. blah. Good question. I will research that next week. Uh, AJ in Indianapolis. Uh, I need you to keep your email to under 5,000 words. <laughs> this is very good and detailed and long, but it basically is a trade proposal. Did you you remember that uh, Marcus Kruger is no longer with the Carolina Hurricanes, right? Yeah, he said Vegas. Where is Kruger now? He is in oh, he Eric. Got he got traded to Arizona. Oh, he got traded. That's right. Yeah, and Car Eric Carolina retained 10% of his salary, so that dude got traded three times God. within a calendar year. That was fun. Fun year for Marcus Kruger, I'm sure. Doesn't <laughs> hey, at least he it. got to go from Vegas to Carolina to Phoenix. I mean, it's three pretty good cities. I wonder if he'd trade that extra million to still be here. I bet he, I bet your ass he would. Interesting. Maybe some guys should notice that. Um, all right. <laughs> so here's the proposal from Adam. Similar to what we discussed, Hawks receive Justin Falk and Scott Darling for the 7th to 28th, Hosa and Nisimov, and a prospect or later round pick. That's too much. That's too much, and I don't like it. Yeah, that's too much. Anisimov is interesting. Yes. That's an interesting angle that we hadn't considered. I did not consider that whatsoever. If you do Hosa, Anisimov, and the 28th overall pick, maybe that's enough for Darling and Falk. I don't think Carolina would do that, though. No? Uh, well, if that depends. Would there be salary cap retention then? Um. Well, that would defeat the whole purpose, though. Right. See, but Carolina's taking on like ten million in salary. Right. Well, not really. They're only taking on an easy miles four four point five. But they have to wait till the season starts to put Hosa on long term injured reserve. But they're but his contract though is still only a million. The cap hit is the cap hit. They only owe him a million dollars. No, I'm, I'm saying ten million dollars in cap hit though. That's but they're not going to use it. Fair enough. But that's still a lot. <sighs> Interesting. I can't wait till Friday, man. Me neither. But you know, Joe, you know, Stan Bowman's going to make a trade on Thursday. Of course. Just to one that's what, well, just that's to, what he did last year. Yeah. He traded Panarin and Jalmerson the day before the draft. <laughs> remember everyone then. So he makes two huge trades. Uh, it wasn't. Yeah, it was two the day before the draft. Yep. And then 
the draft day <laughs> comes around, everyone's like, why isn't Bowman doing anything? It's because he already did yeah, everything. This guy's just sitting on his hands. <laughs> Come on. Dude, that was an insane day. Like, I, that was, like, one of the weirdest work days of my life where it was just like, oh, by the way, they traded Nick Jalmerson. You should probably write that on the train right that this was very day, freaking second. Day after the Bulls draft and trade of Jimmy Butler. Yep. And then they, I was like, okay, it's cool. No, it was No, it was the same day. That was the first time I was punched Danny Perkins. It was the sa- I think it was the same day because I'm pretty sure they traded. No, the draft was the night before. The dr- the NBA draft is on Thursday night, isn't it? This year. And I thought it was, was Thursday th- last year. No, they traded him the night before because I remember I was trying to get Laurie Markin in on the show. So the draft had already happened. Oh, uh, okay. So it was the night before, and then they traded Butler, drafted Markin in, and then the next day, the Hawks traded Jalmerson. And, and then you almost punched Danny Parkins. Yeah. You want to know the story? I'll yes. tell the story. He doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> so they were out on remote the day after, which is great planning, the day after the NBA draft. We're on remote. Um, and I got on Gar Foreman. I got on Markkinen. I got on a ton of guests, everyone we needed on and more. And he calls Andrew Toy. He's like, we got our ass kicked today. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, where do we get our ass? How do we get our ass kicked? He's like, well, all those guests were on the other station first. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, we had guests already. We were doing other things. I'm not. It's not a race to be first. Like, we had a more interesting, compelling argument with the person. So I pocketed that in the back of my mind. <laughs> I wrote that day down, right? Like, in three months, check the ratings on this day. <laughs> yeah. We quadrupled our competition that yeah day. so i just printed it out and i'm like here's the day we got our ass kicked eat ass danny parkins <laughs> not yeah. that I basically whatever <laughs> uh I, I got no personal animosity in this battle i don't either now him and i are friends we're in a better place he well yeah new. because you guys aren't working with each other no anymore. we were we were we were friends before we were broken up for no reason um okay anyway <laughs> i miss matt spiegel uh Get me started. All right. I do, too, for the record. I think everybody knows that. Um, Kevin Peak, our guy, he said, so it's obvious the Hawks need a reliable three or four defenseman, and if they move, it needs to move another center. I kind of get the feeling that a good defenseman will only be made through a trade. My question is more at center. If Anisimov is traded to make cap room and Edsel and or Camp seem like they'll be good third or fourth line center, I think Edsel looks good in the AHL playoffs, but is AHL, not NHL. If they are not ready... How do you guys feel about making a play on Jabe Eagle? I call him Jabe Eagle because it's more d- fun. <laughs> well, uh, who, who doesn't? <laughs> he made about $1.5 million last year. I believe he's an unrestricted free agent. He's good on faceoffs and a PK. Um, sure. Bring I don't him the know. hell in. My fear with cup-winning guys is that they always seem to cash in because they won the cup. Mm. Like, God, this guy's a warrior. He won the cup. Eh. Like, three months ago, Jabe Eagle was a guy, right? Here's well, the name. face-off numbers didn't exactly change from three months ago. I think the only thing you're really worried about here is the financial aspect. That's what I'm talking it. about. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I, I right. think that sometimes guys get a pay bump because they won the cup, and if that's the case with Jay Beagle, I'll Jay say it correctly, Eagle. Uh, if that's the case, I'm not interested because I think there's a lot of Jay Beagles out there, and you could find them. Um, but again, I'm not opposed to it. A fourth line center to win face-offs and penalty kill, of course. That's something they need, and that's something they should address. So I'm just not interested in getting in a bidding war for Jay Beagle. This reminds me, Hawks fans, longtime Hawks fans will remember, Tampa Bay Lightning won the Cup in 2004. Yep. And the Blackhawks gave big money to Jason Cullimore. Oh, that worked out well. Who was a big part of the – he was a really good player for the Lightning when they won the Cup. And it was like, okay, 
They need a defenseman. This guy's a free agent. He's affordable. Not going to break the bank. Sucked. It didn't work. It didn't work. So th those things kind of scare me. So I know it's unfair to put Jay Beagle and him in the same boat, but at the same time. Hey, they gave Cristobal Huey big money after he had that insane uh, postseason. Yeah. That worked out well. There's <laughs> <sighs> been a lot of painful moments for me this podcast. Yeah, man. All right. Adult Haircut Dave writes us. No, Adult Haircut Dave. Break back the ponytail. Uh, he said, how likely is a significant Blackhawks trade before or during the draft? I'd say highly significant. Yes. Or highly, uh, you know, Highly likely. likely. Just keep it simple, bud. Uh, yes. Uh, we talked about the other stuff. Any word on the fundraiser? Yes. I have not mentioned this for the last two podcasts. I mentioned uh, a while back my buddy Andy Garcia recently lost his wife to cancer. And I have vowed that the money we raise on our GoFundMe page, GoFundMe.com slash MadhousePod, all proceeds from that podcast, which was a couple weeks ago, to opening day of this year of the Blackhawks season will go directly to the Garcia family. Every penny will go to his family. He's left behind with three kids, including two uh, newborn twins. Uh, just a very tragic situation. Andy's wife found out she had cancer days after her twins were born. And it did not take long for cancer to take her. It's absolutely brutal. We've already raised $150, which I've not told you yet, which is incredible. Uh, James and I donated our money for Mariska's uh, for last month to we Andy did. as well. Um, so uh, we're there with you guys. We are with Andy in spirit and in heart. Uh, just a great guy, beloved by everyone that knows him. Uh, life is not fair, but it's especially unfair when something like this happens with a great guy. So if you want to help out, every bid or every donation of $5 or more gets you a raffle ticket uh, in our upcoming yet-to-be-announced uh, season-starting event. It will likely be at Chuck's. We'll have a lot of good stuff to auction off, to raffle off. Um, so for every $5 you donate, you get a ticket. So if you donate 5 you get 1 10 you get 2 and so on and so on and so on. So the more you win, the, the more you donate, the better chance you have to win. So go to GoFundMe.com slash MadhousePod to support my friend Andy Garcia and uh, help out us help make us feel better and make us do good things we uh you know we've asked you guys for financial support in the past and you've done that you continue to do that and we appreciate that but for the next couple months let's focus our attention uh somewhere else because it's definitely needed there more than it's needed here so oh, yeah thank you all for listening we have a special edition podcast that will be released shortly uh with ryan wagman it is a draft preview so make sure you check that out as well it will be a special episode that we're recording next but until then Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which has been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. And again, that address to donate, gofundme.com slash madhousepod. Every penny from here until the opening game of the 2018-19 Blackhawks season goes to andy garcia and his family thanks again for listening to the madhouse chicago hockey podcast Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. 
Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. Poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal.